Welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty, an industry podcast for loyalty marketing professionals. I'm your host, Paula Thomas, and if you work in loyalty marketing, join me every week to learn the latest ideas from loyalty specialists around the world. This show is sponsored by Comark, a global provider of innovative software products and business services. Comark's platform is used by leading brands across all industries to drive their customer loyalty. Powered by AI and machine learning, Comark technologies allow you to build, run, and manage personalized loyalty programs and product offers with ease. For more information, please visit comark.com. Hello and welcome to episode 225 of Let's Talk Loyalty. A discussion with our friends in Comark, all about their 2022 Global Report on Loyalty Marketing and Rewards Programs, a research report they conducted in quarter one of 2022 with Forrester Consulting and 549 loyalty marketing leaders around the world. I'm joined today by Comark's Lukas Swanewski to discuss the key findings of the report, such as the key issues that we as loyalty marketers really struggle with, what their most popular loyalty program offerings are right now in 2022, as well as their plans for the next five years. I hope you enjoy listening to Comark's latest insights on the loyalty marketing industry and how they believe our programs will develop in the months and years to come. So, Lucas, joining me today from Warsaw in Poland for Comark. Welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty. Thank you for having me. I'm very, very excited. I know you've been a very long time listener and advocate of the show, Lucas. So want to say a huge thank you uh, even before we start for all of your support. That's correct. Thank you so much. I'm really a big fan of that of that podcast. Oh, there you go. So it's very exciting to have you on board as a guest now today. Um, we have some wonderful research to go through that I know you've been leading on behalf of Comark as the business unit director. So we'll get into exactly your roles and responsibilities. And of course, you've been doing this with Forrester. So uh, wonderful to see them involved with this research report as well. But before we get into talking about the report, please tell me, Lucas, what is your current favorite loyalty program? So my current favorite loyalty program is uh, one of our clients program, which is Costa UK. And and why 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 I like it very much because of a couple of things. First of all, it is... uh, how the loyalty program should be. So it's not only about rewarding people for their actions, but it's about making the whole customer journey, brand experience uh, much nicer, the whole uh, process of interaction with that brand uh, much faster, much more comfortable. Uh, so basically, the loyal, because the loyalty program, there is a, is a base for many other actions, including pre-ordering, payment, um, and so on. It's just a, you know, a great um, center of that customer journey. Um, and because it is um, like the whole rewarding scheme is also 
very well blended with the strategy of the brand. So it supports also the sustainability. You get double points when you uh, come with your reusable cup. Uh, it kind of like plays well with what wow. their brand message is, what they really want to achieve, the, the values that they want to uh, pass to the clients and so on. So this is this is really great. Wonderful. Well, that's a superb example, Lucas. And first of all, congratulations on winning a client like Costa Coffee, especially in such a mature and competitive market like the UK. I can only imagine how competitive that tender was in terms of choosing a partner. So um, extraordinary to have that case study. We'll definitely have to get them on the show. Um, but what I wanted to, I suppose, comment on from, you know, a user's perspective, and I've always been on the brand side, as I think you know, I really love to hear when a program is delivering across um, such an incredible variety of business objectives, as you've highlighted there. And the experience that I've seen, Lucas, actually came from, I think it was actually in China, particularly where most of the brands there are very clear on this idea of, you know, they tend to have super apps, for example, in China. And exactly what those super apps are doing, as you said, is giving the customer multiple reasons to engage. Because I think what we've all experienced as program owners is, it's difficult to get people to download an app if it's just for a loyalty program, because actually I'm super busy and I have already got a lot of apps on my phone. But it sounds like Costa were very clear that they needed these multiple business objectives in order to justify getting their customers to uh, to connect with them in a digital way. That is that is correct. That is uh, perfectly summarizing like the challenges of those marketers today. That. You know, if you want to build that digital connection with your members, what they care about mainly is the usability. So what do yeah. I get from that application? And it cannot be, as you said, just a loyalty yeah. points yeah. or coupons. It needs to uh, give something more. So this is this is exactly what the um, conscious uh, brands are doing, like connecting multiple services, uh, if we're talking about the fuel retail, pay at pump, pre-order mm. stuff, uh, get the messaging, uh, uh, release or book your uh, EV charging spot. This is this is also playing a great role in, uh, you know, supporting uh, that digitalization of the business. Wonderful, yeah. And everyone talks about it, Lucas, but it's uh, it's not easy to achieve. So um, again, super exciting that Costa have have managed to to get to make that progress. So I know you have a huge um, years of experience, in fact, um, as a consulting director, specifically within Comark. But um, very excitingly, you've moved in now to more of, I suppose, a product development role uh, for the whole business unit around the new loyalty marketing cloud. So tell me, how is that new role going for you? Yeah, it's very, it's very nice, actually. Uh, it's completely different because so far I was more like helping our clients or potential clients in how to use various loyalty tools or marketing techniques to achieve their goals, uh, which actually, you know, was a very nice experience. Uh, right now, I moved more to, as you said, the product uh, management, product delivery. Mm. Uh, so as a business unit director, I'm responsible for uh, both creation of our 
newest loyalty cloud platform, but also the whole go-to-market strategy. How do we market that? How we pass that uh, new brand message to potential clients, to the market, how we build our market, um, mm. and also the whole delivery and maintenance, which is completely different than um, this enterprise size projects uh, that we um, are um, experts yeah. at uh, yeah. for many, many years. Yeah. Uh, we see that the market is changing, that the smaller and smaller companies, they are ready to also start building a yeah. good understanding of their client base. And that's how we want to respond to those uh, changing needs. Yes. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Lucas. And and it's a good, I suppose, context for listeners as well to understand why you commissioned this research with Forrester. Um, and for anyone who hasn't seen it as yet, um, this report is entitled Loyalty Marketing and Rewards Programs. And it is a global market report uh, for 2022, literally conducted in the first and a, a huge sample, actually, Lucas. I think it was 549 loyalty marketing professionals that you guys consulted in order to get these insights. That's, that's correct. Uh, 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 big uh, thank you to, to our colleagues from Forrester uh, yeah. that actually uh, have this kind of network um, of companies that they could uh, reach out to and really conduct those this uh, um, uh, study with those who really take care of loyalty initiatives in their businesses. We had like a very good um, uh, selection of companies, different size, different markets. We wanted that uh, that report to be uh, really showing the good state of global. Um, situation around the loyalty uh, today. Yeah, yeah. And I was impressed to see that you have great coverage across, obviously, the US as the, the, the largest market, and then all of the German-speaking markets in Europe, and also France and also the UK. So extremely useful for anyone certainly listening to this show. And even in terms of company size as well, I could see that a lot of these guys, you know, would have revenues between 300 million to 500 million dollars. So actually quite sizable in terms of, I guess, their expertise with loyalty as well. Would that be true? That's uh, that's perfectly true. Uh, so we also have a sample of those uh, smaller businesses, but as uh, we wanted to have uh, mainly those who are already engaged in that loyalty to understand what are their main struggles today, what are their main challenges, but also what are their plans, what they want to do, how they want to improve the loyalty. Uh, mm. We've targeted mainly uh, those larger companies because they are a bit more experienced and um, a few steps ahead of, of those smaller ones. Yeah, for sure. And I have to say, reading the report, it was um, reassuring, I suppose, uh, how familiar it is with all of the kind of challenges that did come through. Um, and I think that's important that, you know, the loyalty community is actually quite a small industry, I think. Um, and there's a lot of kind of shared challenges that we need to learn from each other, to share and to support each other. So maybe just as a starting point in terms of what you learned, Lucas, what do you find uh, was most striking for you in terms of reading? I think there's eight different categories 
as you said, there's lots of insights in terms of what people need from loyalty technology, what they're planning to do with it. But first of all, in terms of what do they struggle with, I think that's a good starting point to us to understand the mindset of the people that you were talking to. Yeah, that, that's right. Like uh, if I want to um, give like one opinion or one idea that come up uh, to me from reading that report, it's mainly that building loyalty is a process. It's a process and everyone who wants to do that needs to understand that, uh, you know, at the very beginning, probably everyone is very excited about like what the nice things we're going to be doing so many of them and and you know it's going to be uh, sparkling and so on and then they understand that it's going to take time it requires a lot of effort it requires it requires a lot of knowledge and uh that's why the whole um delivery of that of that loyalty program um is a process that that you need to start at some point and don't be so much focused on how to differentiate, but more on how to set the basics right. Um, yeah. This is and this is a very good thing uh, for um, any size of company today. Like that, they don't need to uh, compare themselves to the others. They don't need to necessarily, you know, be outstanding because that might be a tricky situation where you are in a. I don't know, beauty industry, then you see the Sephora program, which is really great. And then you feel like you might not have enough resources to really build something better. Uh, But that's not really the expectation. And that's not really what you uh, have to do. What you have to do is to understand what actually that loyalty initiative, loyalty strategy is going to give you. Mm. And that if you do the basics right, you're going to be already a few steps further with your internal organization and with the understanding Mm. of what your client needs and how to respond to those needs and being more agile and so on. Yeah. I think that's a very important point, Lucas. And I have very much experienced that. As I said, it's a very familiar feeling. I think when you do sometimes get the approval uh, within a company, they sign off on an investment, which is usually quite significant. Um, there's all the excitement and there's a lot of communications perhaps that are being um, put together to support your program, sometimes even on TV. So it's a very visible project internally But the managing of expectations, I think, is critical because actually it's only after the program launches that the hard work really begins. And I think that's something that you guys are very experienced at supporting your clients to uh, to understand that from the beginning so that they can set the expectations internally. That's that's exactly right. Uh, That's that's the most difficult part. And very often uh, we do have a situation in which... uh, you know, we agree to deliver or we even deliver a number of features that then um, there is no capacity to really use them because it's a lot of work to really uh, plan all those activities, make use of all of the tools. So this is also something that that we need to keep remembering and the step-by-step approach is the suggested one um, here. uh, What is also kind of like important coming out of this report is that actually we can see that there are a lot of new programs on the market. So it also shows that um, 
bigger and bigger amounts of companies started to invest in that loyalty strategies. Yeah. Uh, because we had a feeling that, you know, loyalty is with us for so many years. But yeah. I, I had a feeling that, you know, we've been always focusing on those big brands, or those who really were having, you know, a right team, right people, right understanding of uh, what is it all about. Mm -hmm. uh, while right now it's becoming more, even we can call it mainstream, uh, that everyone can give it a shot, uh, try to build something on their own. Um, and actually, probably because of the pandemics and because of all of the uh, researches that clearly showed that those companies that had a loyalty initiatives, had a loyalty programs, uh, had a good direct connection with the client basis, um, yeah. it was just much easier for them to survive or uh, to go through the pandemics uh, than yeah. those who didn't have it. So I guess that was kind of like a, a, a pivotal point for the yeah. management that it's really worth, um, you know, to prepare for for the unknown and really start building those kind of loyalty uh, projects inside of the organization. You're absolutely right, Lucas. Um, I've talked before on the show about our industry and my experience is actually counter cyclical. And for example, I got into loyalty marketing uh, literally back at the big recession of 2008. And exactly like the pandemic, it was almost like a light bulb went off for certain brands. And I'm going to say braver brands that realize that when there are so few customers out there, that that's really when you need to hold on to every single one that you've got. So, so to me, it was actually very reassuring to see how many young programs, I think particularly less than two years, were coming through um, exactly in this report. So plenty of appetite for our industry, um, as you said, with plenty of expectations to manage. And for everyone listening, I suppose, to feel that they're not alone if they've you know, got a wonderful software platform and haven't yet managed to fully optimize and use that capability. It sounds like something you see see quite regularly, Lucas, yeah? Yeah, that's, that's uh, always, uh, I, it's very funny for me that we always, or very often, we feel like that's us that has that issue. And totally. it's on every single <laughs> level. Like if we're talking about yeah. sales, marketing, like any any area of, of your business operations, you feel like, okay, all those companies out there are doing so great and they are doing such a nice things. And then here we are struggling. And why are we struggling? So for <laughs> yeah. those who, who feel like they are struggling, I can tell you, 100% sure most of the companies are struggling with something and especially with with yeah managing those expectations um, yeah. and delivering everything that they planned at the beginning yeah. uh, around the loyalty so yeah that's that's completely true yeah for sure and also i know the report identified that all of us seem to be struggling with staffing and resources as well as a challenge. So again, I think that's probably something that we all feel is just in our companies, but seems to be quite prevalent, actually. What was the percentage? Yeah, 20% of companies said that is their biggest challenge. So that's quite huge, actually. Yeah, that, that's true. And we see that uh, being uh, uh, or happening uh, in every single area of, of the businesses. So basically the staffing 
is the issue uh, everywhere. Yeah. And if we're talking about the quite, still quite niche competence, because managing the loyalty is not a super popular thing. So it's not like a sale yeah. or like anything else. Like you have a, thousands of agencies out there. Everyone can do that. It's like a lot of people, even yeah. like thousands of courses that you can learn on your own. Loyalty yeah. is still quite specific. Um, knowledge that you need to have to understand it. Uh, it's quite complex. It's quite niche. Uh, so having the right people who understand and are capable of running efficiently a loyalty program for the organization, this mm -hmm. is really difficult. So yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's a uh, struggle number one um, overall for mm -hmm. the whole report. Uh, so that's true. That's, that's the number one issue for mm -hmm. those who are already running a loyalty program loyalty some kind of loyalty strategy because we yeah. shouldn't uh, kind of like limit that to some kind of point program or reward program sure. uh, we're talking about anyone who's having some kind of like loyalty strategy yeah. um, and then the, the second one the second and the third one are quite close to each other and they are from the same space so then the biggest issue, the second one is delivering consistent experience across the touch points. Yeah. And then the third one is understanding the customer interactions across touch points. So what, what does it mean? Uh, from my perspective and from my experience, that's a very important knowledge that you can take out from that report if you are thinking about building a loyalty strategy that you cannot only think about um, the rewarding part of it. Yeah. Uh, because very often when we are thinking about the loyalty, we're thinking about, okay, so how are we going to appreciate those people, how they will be rewarded for yeah. which kind of activities, then, you know, are we bringing some levels, tiers, uh, statuses within the program? Like this is, this is our main area of concern. But then when you start running that loyalty initiative, you see that, there's so much more around the communication. There's so much more around the understanding of what those people are doing, understanding what's the customer journey. So when you are planning those uh, strategies, when you're um, organizing a loyalty project, you need to look at it from a much broader perspective, like the complete customer journey uh, yeah. management. Yeah. You're absolutely right, Lucas. Yeah, there's a lot more than anyone initially appreciates. And one of the reasons I suppose I've always loved being a consultant, as you know, I don't do that anymore. But again, working with, with uh, people like yourselves, there's so much expertise to tap into. And for me, that was always important when I was client side to have, you know, again, that support because I didn't have it internally to access it, access it externally. So you guys certainly provide um, a huge role in that. And just because you touched on, um, you know, we don't want to just simplify to loyalty as a program that has a points currency, for example, can you talk us through what you learned in the report about, you know, what are the most popular functionality that um, that this report showed um, are being used uh, by all of these incredible 549 loyalty leaders um, at the moment? And then, of course, we look at what they plan to do as well in the future. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so actually that was quite unexpected because we asked uh, all those professionals what they would be looking at right now when they are yeah. uh, when they are choosing the solution uh, to run their loyalty initiative. Um, and there were a lot of um, options for them to choose from, um, including different features, functionalities, and so on. Uh, but actually, what was the main uh, factor was the capability to integrate uh, with different platforms, um, which is quite maybe unexpected, but it shows also another struggle uh, that potentially those people had in the projects. Because if we're talking about understaffing in the loyalty marketing teams, probably the same understaffing happens in the IT teams. So whenever we're talking um, about the projects where this loyalty um, solution needs to connect and it needs to connect with other tools like marketing automation, like CDP, CRM, uh, transactional systems. Um, That's where the problems start because the capacity of those IT teams are limited. There's always many projects, many uh, things to do. And then it's all about the prioritization. It's all about the, you know, people fighting internally for the time of other people. And and this is uh, uh, a big issue. So this is the number one, uh, actually, capability of the the loyalty solution um, that those people who are running loyalty would be looking at today. So that's kind of like a, a good hint for those who didn't start or are in such a process uh, right now. Um, what is what is the next one is definitely the personalization. Personalization of promotions, of offers, communication, which also kind of resonates with uh, with this uh, issue that we that we mentioned. So actually inability to communicate omnichannel uh, in a proper way, in a yeah. personalized way. Uh, so there's definitely some issue there. I strongly believe that it's very heavily connected with this inability to connect with the marketing automation tools that are already used by the organization. Yeah. Uh, that there's, it's once again some kind of silo thing happening. That there's one team operating one tool, the other team operating the second tool, um, and there's obviously they understand what needs to be done, but then the cap- capacity to do it is limited. So it takes time. It, it you know, like there are different priorities on different sides. So uh, that might be, that might be an issue um, um, because of that. Um, uh, then also there's the zero party data collection. That's the important thing, uh, even more important uh, for, uh, even more important uh, uh, recently, uh, because as we know, um, the cookies might stop to to, uh, to be yeah. supported. Uh, the ability to actually track customer data, customers uh, without their full, let's say, consent consent or. Um, uh, awareness is going to be probably ending. So the more they tell us about themselves yeah. um, on their own, uh, it, it, it's, it's very important. So um, those are the the elements that uh, that are the ones that are 
actually considered very important uh, by those loyalty marketing marketers today. For sure. And, you know, the other thing that um, I think is important, given those priorities that these, you know, professionals are identifying is it's one thing to um, to understand that you need this integration um, when you have a single brand loyalty program. But also increasingly what I was really impressed to see, and certainly what I'm hearing as well, Lucas, from my interviews is the increasing appetite to expand loyalty programs across multi-brand, certainly in groups of companies. Obviously, coalition as a model is is extremely popular. So, So that type of integration becomes even more complicated if you have multi-brand more than just even one single brand. Would that be fair to say? Yes, definitely. Definitely, it's uh, w- what is even um, uh, more interesting is that we can see a large appetite for building those coalitions, not only in the B2C, because that's something that we've seen for many years already, but also in the B2B area where those loyalty programs are not that well developed yet. It's still kind of like a more developing uh, market but we see it's developing in a uh, with a good pace and in in a good direction so there's a lot of um plans around connecting multiple brands in those b2b loyalty programs so not to consumers but rather to business partners professionals who resell uh, or are some kind of part of your um of your strategy as a, as a brand Yeah, totally. And I'm glad you mentioned that, Lucas. I meant to mention it at the very beginning because we've already obviously agreed that uh, loyalty is um, a really specialist expertise within marketing. But then B2B loyalty, again, is another very niche area. And I totally agree. It has plenty of room to grow, plenty of interest from lots of people. And also, I know the whole area of employee loyalty is also something that you guys are starting to hear increasingly that clients are looking to to explore with their um, their businesses. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, there's like here we're talking more even not about the loyalty, but the motivation programs, but also uh, yeah, uh, the engagement programs for those uh employees or business partners uh that's a that's a very uh fast growing i would say market as well yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, definitely there's a, a good understanding especially today and <laughs> as always like uh, a, a world is a very um connected uh, space so we are talking about understaffing problem to find the right people so obviously companies are looking at ways to improve the efficiency um, uh, of the employees and also connect them uh, to the to, to the place to the to the work they are doing uh, to the community of um, of other employees so um, this is what all those programs are about mainly Yeah, wonderful. Yeah, I was just talking to a a huge retail brand yesterday in the UK, Lucas, and they were saying exactly the same, that, you know, all of their employees are on the exact same loyalty program as consumers, but with added benefits. And I think that's a very clever strategy that lots of us really need to be thinking about 
first of all, to make sure that the point of sale staff are familiar exactly with using the loyalty program. And of course, they're excited about it because I think that's always the challenge when we launch something again is we might be excited in marketing, but point of sale, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, I suppose, ideas and campaigns they see coming and going and you really want them to drive your loyalty program. Otherwise, it just won't be successful. That's, uh, I cannot agree more. Like having your staff as the ambassadors of the program is the best thing you can do. And if you find a formula yeah. for that, uh, <laughs> you found the holy grail, basically. Uh, totally. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Great, great, super. Um, my favorite area, I suppose, is understanding the loyalty program offerings, Lucas. Um, and it's amazing how much difference there is coming through in this Forrester report with what is currently being offered. Um, and I was surprised to see cashback actually coming out as the, the main one, mainly, mainly perhaps um, or maybe driven by the US, I think is more driven uh, with that particular offering. But some super exciting stuff coming up in the future. So would you mind just talking our listeners through what are the offerings that are currently popular with the audience that you've been researching and what do you see coming in the future? Yeah, sure. So. Um, so what are the um, uh, priorities for um, uh, our audience uh, around that, that loyalty? Uh, this we need to consider separately for those B2C programs and B2B programs, because we've run this uh, research um, having both uh, types of businesses and both types of loyalty programs. And um, actually, uh, here we see uh, quite a strong differences uh, between those answers. Uh, so as the rest of the uh, questions and answers, we could generalize and then look at them um, as a whole. Here yeah. we see a, a, a big difference. So in the B2C, yeah. um, uh, this sector wants to mainly um are planning to mainly add some gamification elements and mm -hmm. some other fun ways to collect some more zero-party data mm -hmm. to, to improve the personalization. Um, and they also are planning to add the uh, value-based rewards. Uh, this, is, this is an important factor for them, uh, which basically means that um, even though we are, you know, we see the gamification as a concept with us for many years, um, still there are a number of programs that, that didn't have a chance to implement that those techniques appropriately, yeah. um, but they see them valuable. So this is this is like also something that comes out from this report, and we internally we call it, you know, reality versus versus dreams. So uh, <laughs> because you're dreaming a lot at the beginning, and then the reality is that that you that yeah. you deliver thirty percent of that. So this is like a good example of that because yeah. we've been implementing those uh, first gamification projects probably even seven, eight years ago. Like we started with JetBlue in, in US uh, with the very popular badges program um, at, the, at the very beginning. Um, and we are testing those different techniques like leaderboards, like mini games, um, uh, some competition type of promotions and so on and so on uh, for all those years. But still we see that it is a priority list uh, for many, many um, B2C loyalty program operators. 
yeah. uh, which means that they see it works. They see that it could be effective, especially if we're talking about engaging people to uh, perform some non-transactional activities like yeah, sharing data, watching videos, taking yeah. part in a survey. That's a perfect way to actually utilize those kind of non-monetary rewarding. Um, yeah. uh, and this is, this is, this is a, a fun thing to see. I'm really happy about it because I'm the, you know, a big a fan of video games. So I really believe that cool. you can copy a lot of those techniques yeah. that are, you know, kind of like making you spend those hours in front of your uh, computer or console uh, yeah. and, and try to use the same um, logic and, um, and uh, drivers uh, in totally. the loyalty program. Yeah. And I think that's part of the move as well, Lucas, away from transactional style loyalty. And we talk about emotional, but so much of the time, you know, I suppose we struggle to identify what is an emotionally led loyalty program. And I think gamification is a perfect solution to at least create fun and engagement. You know, it doesn't have to be all heartfelt. It just means it doesn't have to feel like do this and get that. It just needs to have an extra edge. And I've always believed gamification does exactly that for, for the program. Yeah, that, that's true. Uh, I, I feel exactly the same. So the loyalty program should kind of generate those positive moments and those uh, moments of happiness. So that's why I don't like to look at the, the loyalty strategies as the you know point programs that give you some some currency, then you exchange it for reward only. Of course, this is very much needed. And I'm just always saying that this is a base that you need to have to do the whole rest because without yeah. it, it's yeah. going to be difficult to, um, to even uh, track those activities, make people identify themselves at different channels. That, that's why you need that. But then what you're going to do with this data and how you're going to build mm. on that process is actually what, uh, what can make it a successful strategy or just a you know, simple rewards program. Um, so if we're talking about those happiness moments, like the fact that I can quickly fuel my car without having to go to the cash register and pay for it, but I can do it on my application and it takes me five seconds instead of 20 minutes because it's like a, you know, morning rush <laughs> and there are so many people and yeah. they, I'm yeah. really late because I was supposed to be at work at eight and it's eight five and I still hope I'm going to be there at eight, you know, yeah. uh, we all have those moments. So this is like, this is where I'm going to feel like this brand's give me some kind of like happiness comparing to, to another. And this is what we should be looking at when we're talking about the loyalty uh, yeah. and the true loyalty strategy. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a very good example. You know, convenience retail, particularly, um, I suppose, is exploding in terms of the potential for loyalty programs with exactly those very tangible benefits. Because, yes, then I'm extremely grateful to not have to go into the store, as you said, to pay for the fuel. Uh, if I can do it quickly and easily in my own car, happy days. It's, it's a much nicer customer experience all over. Yeah, yeah, and then you know, with the uh, with all the data that we can capture uh, and the capabilities, then to personalize all those experiences and, and offers. Yeah, it, it just 
all makes those uh, customer journeys so much more um, um, nice for the client. And in terms of the other, I suppose, plans of evolving loyalty programs in the next five years, Lucas, there was a couple of things that struck me. Um, You know, we talk a lot on the program, of course, about subscription, and Mm -hmm. that came through um, quite evenly, actually, and even stronger for B2B. So that was a very interesting insight to see coming through. Yeah. What did surprise me, though, and I'd love your experience or or perspective on this, there was almost equal interest in embedding cryptocurrencies, for example, into the program as there is for subscription. And I would have assumed there would be much greater difference. So let me just check the numbers. So the subscription-based intention overall was 14% and cryptocurrencies straight behind at 13%. So that was amazing. There's a lot of ambition in that area. Yeah, that's that's true. Uh, so actually, yeah, the number three, four, and five, I I would group them uh, as exactly you know like uh, something that that connects with what we've been talking about. So so those marketers they want to improve the overall experience. So they are not focusing that much on you know what type of rewards are going to be there in the program or uh, you know specific activities, but they rather want to make it a bit broader. So if we're talking about the subscriptions, um, there are those two types of those, of those uh, mechanics here that we see uh, marketers want to implement. So there's either a subscription to a specific service. Um, yeah. Like, for example, a good example is, is uh, BP here. It's uh, also our client and they are using the subscriptions quite widely in US um, uh, and for different reasons. So uh, there is a subscription for a service. So this is like extending um, the way how you can use the application. So actually you can subscribe to um, the price matching uh, feature of the application, which means that actually you can very quickly compare the prices um, of the fuel in a specific distance from the fuel station that you're at currently. Mm-hmm. and you know, you're rewarded if actually the lower prices are found. Uh, wow. So this is this is quite nice a mix of, you know, subscription to the new service, which yeah. is a paid service, which yeah. also kind of improves the ROI of the whole loyalty uh, program or the application itself. Uh, it's fun, you know, it, it is uh, exciting. It gives those uh, positive moments. So, you know, it combines all of that. Uh, while the other type of subscription is, it, it's you know, it's more uh, responding to how behaviors um, are changing, uh, behaviors of consumers. So we're yeah. getting used to actually pay for something once and then consume as much as we want, like with Netflix, Amazon Prime. You know, it's like it's it, it's all about that. Um, so here, if we're talking about okay, so what do we do with? with fuel business here but you know like the subscriptions like subscribe to one coffee a day it's way cheaper than buying those 30 coffees but yeah. if you're a you yeah. know professional driver or if you just yeah. drive uh, uh, constantly uh then and you like that coffee then it might be a very nice thing like you're just passing by instead of just 
you know, buying that coffee somewhere else, you just buy, you, you take that coffee and then you just pay once. You don't have to, it's even smoother then because it's like, uh, yeah. you just, you just take it. You don't even need to pay for it, uh, which is, which is very cool. So we, um, so, so we see those different ways of, of using that. Um, then there, there are also experiential rewards. So again, like we see that, that people, uh, that behaviors are changing and also the generations are changing. So the consumers, uh, or we are starting to have Gen Z as consumers, which are much more about the experiences, not owning things. So, uh, also the marketers need to think about like how to please them, how to make the loyalty program interesting for them as well. Mm. Uh, so basically that's also very interesting that they are also looking in the direction of those experiential rewards much more than the tangible rewards and that might be some kind of like competitive edge as well uh, but then as you said the cryptocurrency is quite high yeah um, i i would say this is for me or of course <laughs> i can be wrong but my personal opinion is that this is a very much hype based so yeah everyone is talking about it today yeah. There is a lot of interest. It's, yeah. it, it looks very nice on the slides for uh, for the board of directors, you know, sure. it stands out. So yeah. Uh, yeah. I believe that it's going to be in the space, like people are going to be excited about it, yeah. um, but it's only going to work for a couple of early adopters. You know, yeah. like they will have this benefit of, of being the first ones, uh, built a lot of marketing around it, viral marketing around it, because everyone keeps talking about it, like, like uh, yeah. uh, Starbucks with NTF uh, recently. So yeah. obviously it gives a huge benefit for those who are the first ones. But then is, is it like a really a mainstream thing? Is it really responding the majority of the program members? I don't believe that, you know, probably there are <laughs> going to be services uh, that are going to yeah. allow you to quickly and easily connect to, um, to those, uh, um, uh, you know, places where you can exchange uh, different currencies into, into cryptocurrency. So it's going to be easier probably to offer cryptocurrencies as a reward, as a currency in, in your loyalty program. But will that, uh, change the world of loyalty? I don't think so. I feel I feel like it's gonna <laughs> um, pop up. It's gonna be very hot, and it's just gonna disappear at some point of time. Yeah, thank you for your honesty, Lucas, because that is my experience as well at the moment. It is. It's a hot topic. It's important as an industry, and I suppose as a loyalty professional within the company to show that you're aware of the potential for all of these opportunities. But to use the um, experience we talked about earlier, given the challenges of resources and everything else, we rarely get to build everything that we want to. So I think we'll be having this conversation again, maybe hopefully next year or who knows in two, three years time, and we can reflect back and see if we were right. 
But yeah. um, yes, I think the the proven business models that we've talked about, like subscription, um, are really going to be much um, more beneficial, I suppose, to the user and therefore will ultimately change behavior in a way that's profitable for the business. So we'll definitely, I expect, get much more attention. So uh, glad to see we're totally aligned on that one as well. I guess my uh, last question then for you, Lucas, is there's so much in here, as we've said, for the audience listening today and for them to think about. And obviously, we'll make sure that they can download this uh, Forrester report on the Comark website. But obviously, you had um, some wonderful objectives yourselves as a software company in terms of understanding, you know, what your new cloud-based platform could offer and what would be important to uh, to people considering moving or adopting a cloud-based solution. So, from all of the things I suppose you learned from this Forrester research. Uh, what's important to people and I suppose how you're going to be developing your own product going forward. Is there anything that you wanted to mention that really struck you from doing all of this work in order to inform, I guess, your own kind of product development for the next few years? Yes, definitely. Uh, this report uh, was having this kind of objective to let us understand, uh, you know, what the, what are the real market needs? What are the real struggles that the people are having uh, because we want to really deliver the solution that solves the problems, the real problems, not the imaginary problems. So uh, definitely what comes out of this report is that uh, the loyalty is going to be growing as a concept. It's going to be much more mainstream. That's what we believe in. So which means that, you know, even if you're, um, what I said at the beginning, any type, any size of the company might start thinking about uh, building a loyalty initiative that is uh, that that is uh, that they are able to to deliver at the moment uh, because there are tools, there are mechanics, there there are proven examples of how to do it. And then, if we want to survive, especially in the digital business area. Um, then those companies need to start doing that. Uh, what is also important from our business uh, or product development perspective is uh, that we have reassured ourselves that our strategy to deliver not the loyalty tool, but the loyalty marketing platform is right. Because the loyalty marketing cloud, um, as well as loyalty marketing enterprise version, is a set of loyalty management solution, uh, marketing automation solution, and data analytics uh, powered with B uh, with AI. Uh, plus all of the touch points like mobile application, website, uh, service agents, application, and so on and so on. So uh, the ability to deliver a complete package of tools that are needed by marketers to run a successful loyalty strategy uh, seems to be a very important uh, factor. So the fact that we are able to deliver um, not only the loyalty tool that you need to connect with all of the other silos inside of the organization, but actually mm -hmm. a platform that could simplify the whole um, loyalty operations within your organization uh, could be a very important um, uh, factor of selection, I believe, uh, and also 
simplification and and uh, you know speed up of the of the implementation process because if we're talking about uh, delivering that loyalty strategy, um, then having a single platform that covers both the whole analytics part, understanding of the client, mm. um, a, a, a connection of the data from all of the sources, then also appreciation of those clients, reacting to different activities, rewarding those people, but then also the whole co- omni-channel communication, building, designing those journeys, um, and so on and so on. Uh, this makes it so much easier um, to deliver the whole concept if we can run and operate it on a single platform. So um, currently, um, yeah, we are reassured that that was a right decision to, to go that way. Yeah. Uh, and um, yeah, we're even putting much more emphasis on uh, making sure that all those uh, areas of, of the platform are working perfectly um, together. And also those integrations, you know, like the connectors, native connectors with other tools. This is something that we are going to be uh, strongly focusing on in the further uh, months as well, uh, just to make sure that we can uh, easily respond to, to the real needs of, of the market. Yeah. And I know you already told me off air as well, Lucas, um, for anyone listening, um, incredibly impressive that there's already 15 clients um, who are, you know, starting to use this new product. So hopefully, as we said, in the months and years to come, we'll be able to bring all of those clients onto Let's Talk Loyalty, talk about the case studies and hear all of their direct experiences. Um, So that's a, a wonderful start for you guys. And also, you know, you're obviously incredibly technical. I'm definitely not. But what I do love is the human side. So we talked about managing expectations. We talked about expertise. And for me, it's very reassuring when I talk to you guys to know that there is all of that support available for anybody who's looking at building, changing or launching their loyalty program, that there is so much expertise available. I think you are 15 years alone, Lucas, in your own career with Comark, aren't you? That's that's true. It's already wow. 15 years. Yeah. All the time with loyalty. I really enjoy it. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Wonderful. So listen, Lucas Walensky, Business Unit Director of the Loyalty Marketing Cloud for Comark. Thank you so much from Let's Talk Loyalty. Thank you so much for having me. This show is sponsored by The Wise Marketeer, the world's most popular source of loyalty marketing news insights and research. The Wise Marketeer also offers loyalty marketing training through its Loyalty Academy, which has already certified over 245 executives in 27 countries as certified loyalty marketing professionals. For more information, check out thewisemarketeer.com and loyaltyacademy.org. so much for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Loyalty. If you'd like us to send you the latest shows each week, simply sign up for the Let's Talk Loyalty newsletter on letstalkloyalty.com and we'll send our best episodes straight to your inbox. And don't forget that you can follow Let's Talk Loyalty on any of your favorite podcast platforms. And of course, we'd love for you to share your feedback and reviews. 
Thanks again for supporting the show.